0: Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers Post Game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Before we go any further, woo! Oh, that's right, a nice victory four to one over those dastardly Vancouver Canucks and their villain fans who have just been coming for the throat of Philadelphia's number <laughs> one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, Cam Atkinson tonight, he not only had the back of Joel Farabee to me, that was actually for you. Uh, so like I said, <laughs> that was hell of a four, one win tonight. Uh, just another time. The flyers play a team for a second time and defeat them. Uh, another, uh, the shots were even, I think it ended up being like 26, 25 Vancouver. Uh, but I mean, I-, I thought the flyers carried uh Good portion of this game, especially, you know, while TK was still playing and the starting goal, he was still in there. Uh, Charlie, just to start it off, what would you think tonight?
1: I, I thought they played a really good game. Uh, it wasn't – I wouldn't say they were dominant. I thought that there were stretches where, obviously, in the third period, you saw Vancouver trying to make a big push, which you would expect. You know, they're, they're a good team that has a ton of firepower, and they went – all out in that third period to try to you know make a comeback. So it wasn't like you were going to dominate the whole game, but I thought the Flyers, you know, they made plays. They outplayed them, I thought, through pretty much the entirety of the first period. The second period had some lulls and then they had that explosion where they uh they score uh was it two goal three goals in uh in two minutes and six seconds, I think it was. And that pretty much just broke the game open right there. I I think that you know what you saw in that little stretch was a Canucks team that while I think so far this year they have been well coached. I think Rich Rick Tock has done a really good job. It just looked like they faltered. It, that reminded me of um the bad Flyers teams over the last, you know, five, six, seven years where one bad thing turns into three bad things. And that's exactly what happened in the Canucks. Like, yeah, you give up a goal, you give up a power play goal. It's a little fluky, sure. Igor Zamola scores from the point it wasn't anything special aside from the fact that it just made its way through traffic. And then it just seemed like the Canucks kind of fell apart. And that's just the type of thing that we've been used to the Flyers doing for years. And it was interesting to see it kind of happen the other way where the Flyers took advantage of another team, letting one bad thing spiral out of control for three or four minutes of play.
0: I mean, I got to tell you when, when you allow a power play goal to the Flyers, especially on the road, that counts for like three bad things right there. Honestly, yeah. that's that's the equivalent Fair. of a of a three point play. Uh, it was. I, I really had fun watching this game. I always enjoy the Flyers after dark, late night games. That's kind of more my schedule. Uh, but tonight there was a couple of newsy things. I guess we should get to off the top uh, first because I wanted to talk about this decision to start Samuel Ayrson out of the break, out of the Christmas break. You know, it was a uh, vitally important. We were made to believe that Carter Hart uh, get that one game in uh, prior to the break. He gives up, you know, the five goals in the first, and then he really locked it down until of course he did his Michael Layton impression to let Detroit tie it after the Flyers had taken the six, five lead. Uh, but I, I was thinking, all right, well that makes sense. And then, it'll be Hart out of the break. Cause he's the number one. That's what you would do five days off.
1: No, they go right back to Samuel Harrison. What'd you make of that decision? Charlie? I, it's interesting because there are probably a lot of different ways this can be interpreted. It's worth noting that the Canucks did the same thing; they went with their backup goalie. They did not go with Thatcher Demko in this game. They went with Casey DeSmith, who you know really for most of the game was was quite good, uh, despite the fact that he gave up four goals. Um, so it could just be as simple as te- two teams thinking that. They want to give their uh, their starter a little bit more rest. For the Flyers, they knew it was a back to back. They're playing again tomorrow night in Seattle, so you were going to start Hart and Ayrson. You know, one each was going to get one of these games. So it doesn't really matter that much who gets the first game. And also, and I pointed this out on Twitter, Carter Hart apparently told this to the traveling media, which I think is is Jackie from the Enquirer and Kevin from the Athletic. Um, he obviously is has more connections in Seattle. Uh, He played in Everett um, in the in the WHL for for, uh, junior hockey. Everett is basically functionally a suburb of Seattle. It's 30 minutes outside of
0: Seattle. It's 30 minutes from Climate Pledge Arena. So it's it's right there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm not sure if I am willing to say that they intentionally are giving Carter Hart sort of a hometown game because we've seen that John Terrell isn't exactly Mr. Sentimental when it comes to hometown games. He showed that last year with Travis Sanheim and Morgan Frost. However, I do wonder if that might have played into it a little bit. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe they looked at it as, you know what, Arison's been playing really well over over this pre-Christmas stretch. It's a nice thing to do to give him that first game. In addition, it's not like Carter's going to get mad because Carter will be happy to play in Seattle anyway so maybe they looked at it as a way to you know give Harrison the pat on the back without with knowing for a fact that you're not going to tick off your starting goalie because he'd be happier playing in Seattle anyway
0: I have a few I mean the the WHL thing the Everett silver tips like that makes the most sense and maybe like I always think back to um when, when I'm thinking of like the evolution of this team, it's also like the evolution of John Tortorella and him coming to grips with coaching a generation with which he has very little in common. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. Like, you know, and I think back to, uh, I think back to the early days of Tom Coughlin in uh, with the New York Giants. And he was just such a hard ass. He had the whole thing. Like if you're five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, don't even bother showing up. Uh, and then it was like Michael Strahan going, dude, I'm fucking 40. Like, I I, I don't <laughs> think I need to be at the meetings 10 minutes early, you know, and like him just backing up a little bit. And then that team goes on to do what it does under Coughlin with a couple of Super Bowls in a few years. And I'm just thinking of John Tortorello like a small little concession, like something that's ultimately meaningless, but could pay more dividends with the locker room atmosphere he's trying to create the hometown things mean something to the players. So it means something, whether it actually, you know, so maybe it's just a small concession he's willing to make. Uh, That said from here, I am interested in how they split the games. If this is just, Oh, we're going to give Sam the pat on the back and Carter'd be happy starting in Seattle. You know he played for Dave Haxtell. He played in the area, all that stuff. So okay, uh, d- yeah, he did play for Dave a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, a little bit be- before, right before not, the not, firing. Yeah, yeah, not that a week long. Or two, but he yeah. played for like, yeah, like three weeks. Scratch that part. That part I didn't say. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he played in the area, all that stuff. So he'd be happier if it's just and it's back to you know two and a half starts for every one Samuel Ayerson, Like, all right, but maybe it's something to watch. Just how they split up the games from
1: here because Arson's been so strong. Well, to me, I think the more telling usage will be the final two games of this trip. Because look, we knew that they were going to go one and one. They were gonna, they weren't gonna have Carter Hart start two games. They certainly were gonna have Sam Arson start both games of the back-to-back. However, they close out this trip in uh, in Alberta. They play Calgary, they play Edmonton, and those games are not back-to-back. Now if Carter Hart plays well against Seattle maybe he doesn't have to win but he has a good game if they then come back right with Hart um, on uh, on New Year's Eve and then with Hart again in Edmonton which was is it, is it Calgary and then Edmonton I, I honestly don't remember what the Calgary name is. Okay. is New
0: Year's Eve and Edmonton's the last game of the trip I believe
1: okay so if they were to then give Hart, the final two starts of this trip, figuring it's not a back-to-back, Arison played the first game of the trip, then I will say, yeah, you know, it really was just a, a thing, like, to, to give Hart the, um, the hometown game. Edmonton also is kind of a hometown game for him, too. So, if that's the way it plays out, I'll say Hart is very clearly still the number one that, you know, Arison was going to get one out of these four games that gave him the first one. Doesn't really matter. If they split the two, If let's say Airson gets Calgary and Hart gets Edmonton, then you start thinking, okay, is this more of a 1A, 1B now? Or is is Hart really still like I'm not expecting a scenario to play out where Carter Hart becomes the backup. So people who are thinking and and like we're gonna get into this in a few minutes about the way the two goalies played. Carter Hart for for all the people who commented on Twitter on the uh, the Flyers tweet saying that Harrison was gonna get a start, saying, Oh, Carter Hart, no longer the starter, like the way he played in the third period should tell you that no, Carter Hart is still very much a starting caliber NHL goal league, without a doubt. But I don't envision a scenario in any scenario where Carter Hart ends up being the backup to Sam Harrison this year. No. However, I, I I could see a scenario where it becomes more of a fifty fifty timeshare. That could happen. that's when I was
0: talking about how they split up the games in my mind, I guess I should have made it more clear. It's like, it's either Hart keeps getting pretty much all of them or it becomes 50, 50 in no world. Was I like, Oh yeah, Sam Harrison, he's going to start two out of every three like that. I don't see happening. I will say if there was some inkling in John Tortorella's mind of, Hey, Sam's been awesome. We really believe in this guy. Uh, we we're gonna give him some run here. Maybe he is gonna get half the starts for the second, you know, part of this season. Um how do you think him having to exit this game with reported dehydration will play with the uh, with the coach who is all about taking care of the little things in preparation? Five days off, I realize it's a holiday. Guys might be like when I hear dehydration, my first thing is like, ah, my man had a little too much fun over the holiday. Maybe didn't maybe didn't give him the proper time to recover. But like it could be anything like you you fly, you're automatically dehydrated. They just came across the country. How do you think this plays like, oh, I was I was starting to really trust Sam. And then uh, in the first game after the break, he had to leave in the third against the highest scoring team in the league. Um, Do you think that's going to enter the coach's mind at all?
1: Look, I can't put myself in John Turtorelli's head. I don't want to put myself in John Turtorelli's head. That would be a, a terrifying thought um, to, to think what he thinks. I, I don't even want to go down that road. He is his own animal. Um, but I can't imagine because, as you said, this was a long trip. They they take the flight out to the West Coast. They have a very uh, short practice yesterday, which I believe was like around 5 p.m., Vancouver time like or or our time it was a weird time because they just they had to get on the ice a little bit then they play this game if anything to me if I'm John Tortorella I actually come away from this feeling good about Harrison because okay so what happens he gives up the goal at the start of the third period and rather than being like no I'm going to tough it out he he is honest with the trainer and says hey I don't know if I can hold on to this lead with the way I'm feeling. Get Carter in there and let him let him mop it up. And I honestly, if I'm the coach, if if my goalie is willing to be honest about that, a good point. I, I don't necessarily think of that as a bad thing at all. I think of that as a goalie, you know, not hiding something from the coach that potentially could cost the team the game.
0: And uh, you know you don't want to you don't want to cost your team the game. I got I got nothing here. I'm doing the game <laughs> uh, now. The Flyers aren't home again until the uh, I believe it's January 6th. And listen, I, I was I wouldn't say I was concerned coming into tonight, but it's a I think a general okay. Let's see what this team has after the break. They're going to go on this tough trip. Well, I am re. Uh, re-op- <laughs> I want to say reoptimized, <laughs> but that's not what I'm looking for. That's yeah, not opti- quite the right word. Yeah, my, my optimism was galvanized by tonight's performance. I can't wait to see this team come back home. If you want to see this team come back home, I suggest you do it by getting your tickets with game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, comedy theater and more and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less game time, will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code P H L Y for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code P H L Y for $20 off download game time. Today, last minute tickets, lowest price, Garen, Teed, Charlie. Um, just to wrap, I guess on the goalies, um, I you're not there, so you don't have any like information about it. But I sure don't. But, <laughs> no, like just the um, when you hear like de- dehydration, that's cramping, right? Like he just he came across and made tried to make a split save, and I'm gonna guess something started to tug on him. You know,
1: I would have, I like, I, I would guess that would yeah, be the guess. Yeah. That would be my guess, and and I think to me the the big story here, I, I think Arison had a strong game in the first two periods. He made some some legitimately good saves when the um you know when the Canucks, uh, particularly when they were on the power play, because this is a really strong power play team. I know they've been struggling a bit recently, but given the uh, the high end talent they have, you know they are a fearsome power play club. He made some really good saves in the first two periods, but to me the big story here is just how good Hart looked coming in because that is a really tough situation. Like I I don't know how to articulate just how difficult of a spot he was put in because you're talking about a guy who again, he hasn't played in in basically a week. He's doing the same thing coming coming across country. He's coming in cold. So he's facing he's facing shots without any expectation he was going to right after Vancouver scores a goal with Vancouver feel they're feeling great. They're thinking we can come back. Now the goalie's out. We got a cold goalie to shoot on. And they're one of the highest scoring. They're they're the highest scoring team in the league, but they have some of the best offensive firepower in the league. Like Hart came in, in in truly a terrifying situation for the Flyers. And he looked great. And he you know, he makes every single stop. He made a couple absolutely monster stops right away. I believe one the first one was on the power play. Alone in front. Yeah. It. Yeah, he just settled things down. And, you know, obviously the uh, the, uh, the real turning point of this game, I would say, you know, when essentially the Canucks chances of a comeback were completely destroyed, which we'll get into, was the uh, the Garnet Hathaway shorthanded goal. Um, but to me, Hart allows that to happen because if Carter Hart comes in and is cold, if Carter Hart, let me put it this way. If Carter Hart comes in and looks like the guy from the first period of the Detroit game, the Flyers lose this game. And he very well could have. He had. He hasn't played since, since that day, since Friday, since last Friday. And he did not expect to play in this game. And he's against a team that was firing on all cylinders when he came in. The fact that he was able to do what he did, I think he deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely.
0: No, that was – that situation, I mean – I just talked about, I don't know what it means to be a transformer. Someone called me a transformer. I guess it's my ridiculous use of the language, but like (laughs) my, my optimism is not galvanized. uh, If this game goes the way it, it easily could have with Carter Hart coming in cold against like, this is a Canucks team that scores five goals. No problem. They don't like generating offense. Isn't their issue except, you know, tonight only 26 shots on goal, one goal. Like, he did a great job closing the door. I love J.J.'s line at the end, too. Erson uh, gets the win. Carter Hart with the save. I thought that yeah, was, thought that was good. spectacular. J.J. had a good one tonight. J.J., I thought, was really on his stuff tonight. The bang, bang, bang on the three goals. I was uh, – I'm just a fan of of Jim Jackson. Uh, you've alluded to it a couple times now. I got to talk about my favorite part of the game. It is Joel Faraby getting absolutely erased on a play. Clean hit. Uh, head was down. Uh, looked like maybe it was an elbow, but looked clean to me. Um, yeah, look clean. And then Cam Atkinson goes, I don't give a fuck. And just jumps the guy, gets the extra penalty. He gets four for roughing. <sighs> Some people say not a smart play because it's a clean hit, blah, blah, blah. I believe anytime you stick up for your teammate, the culture that they are creating, it's more important than any one game. And the reason the team has done what it's done to this point is that belief in the locker room, the culture that they are building. Yes, Sean Couturier coming back is huge. The goalies both being very good is huge. Travis Sanheim suddenly looking like a top pair defenseman. Ridiculous. Sean Walker, we know all the other stuff. What they're building, this is important for. And I did. I realize, you know, we sometimes do the correlation, causation, all that bullshit. Like I realize, Vancouver in you know all the parallel universes scores on at least half of those power plays. But in this one, in the result that we lived, the Flyers not only killed the power play but scored a shorthanded goal. I believe. Because the team said that's a fucking penalty. We'd love to kill. Go, good job, Cam. How did you feel watching that play?
1: Yeah, I look. I think. I think objectively speaking, it's probably not what he should have done. But I do think that given the way this team is winning, I get it. I I, I get why he felt like yeah, dude. I'm actually. It depends on whether I can like stay awake long enough to write this article. Because I am working on a story that does speak to kind of this whole thing, I, I spoke with Carter Hart before they left for the for the Christmas break. Um, I forget which day it was; days aren't real. But Hart, based because I brought up, we were talking about the idea of um, you know the whole like nobody believes in us thing, and I was kind of trying to talk to the team leaders to get an idea as to you know just how much of a motivating factor that really is for these guys. And one thing that Hart said was like, well the thing with this team is just how tight we are. You know, We all have each other's back. And I brought up the Nashville game when you had a, Owen Tippett took a big hit from Jeremy Lausanne and it wasn't a dirty hit. It was just a mean, nasty, hard hit. And Nick Delorier jumps over, jumps over the bench immediately after for his shift, goes right after Lausanne, a center rise, and then they fight. And I brought that up and I'm like, is that kind of what you mean? And he said, absolutely. He said, I think back even further to a play uh, in october against dallas where tk took a really big hit and nick sealer just jumps in and just beats the crap out of the guy who hit him and he's like it was it wasn't a it wasn't a dirty hit it was just a hard hit but we didn't like it and nick was like nah you know what that that's not gonna fly i'm gonna make sure that that doesn't fly and it just seems like as much as i don't like and, and I I really don't like this. I don't like the whole, like, you have to fight after a clean hit. Like, yeah, fight at, you know, if, if one of your guys gets cheap shot it, yeah, you should answer for that. I don't love in the grand scheme of things, the whole, it's a clean hit, but I got to fight because reasons. I don't love that. But for this team, it does seem to be working. It seems to be working that they all believe that every other person, you know, on that bench or in that room, has everybody else's back, and like Cam Agganis isn't a fighter. He's like my height. He's he's not a guy who's like a really really physical type guy. But and his thing was like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm not going to stand for this.
0: He handled the situation the best of his because the worst thing you can do in my mind. I mean, the team. I, I always think of you know Max Talbot got his ass kicked by Dan Carsillo but guess what? The Penguins still responded. Um, the last thing you want to do, though, is stick up for your guy and also get knocked the fuck
1: out. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah.
0: Now, now you're just down two guys. Now you're just embarrassed. Uh, so Cam handled it the best way he could, got the takedown, just got on top of him, and then started throwing a little. But I I don't love the culture of every big hit deserves a fight. Like A guy like Jacob Truba who walks the line all the time, it's like, well – you know what? I didn't see it and it's him. So I'm going to fucking fight him. Cause he probably yeah, did exactly. something, but he's just <laughs> yeah, we're Tom hitter. Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know what? I didn't see it. I just heard it. I bet you Tom Wilson did something dirty. Uh, and if not, I'm hitting him for something he did deserve, you know, the shift <laughs> before like, exactly. Like, but I will say like that happened real fast. And in real time, I was like, Oh, he got him straight in the head. He got him with an elbow, something. And then they showed again. I was like, Oh no, that's totally clean. But, Cam Atkinson doesn't need to sit there and look at a replay. Like he's yeah, exactly, just reacting. Exactly. He sees his guy get demolished and he responded the way he did. And then the team responded the way they did after that. And ultimately that's what put the game away. So like, I I wish things were different. I, everyone's like, like John Tortorella said, no one's used to getting hit. No one thinks they're going to be hit. So it's like a big surprise. So shit like that, that happened to Farabee. It's like, head was down, you know, (laughs) like, sorry, man. You turned around. It was a perfectly timed. Sometimes it happens, but since the big hits are just not that much a part of the game anymore, there are going to be fights after them because guys see them and they're surprised they are shocked by them. They're like, Oh fuck, something happened. Like I, I don't love it, but it's the way the game is now because of the, the lack of physicality for nine tenths of the game. That's, it just that's the way the game is gone and this team has each other's backs and that's real fucking important
1: yeah i also wonder too if there's a little bit of this to play because we talked a few weeks ago about i think it was it was on one of these post games where i wondered if opposing coaches are telling their teams going into a game that like hey when in doubt, if the Flyers are about to get a really dangerous scoring chance, just take the penalty because their power play is so bad that they probably won't be able to capitalize, it anyway, capitalize on it anyway. I do wonder if there might be a little bit of that calculation in the Flyers players' heads being like, you know what, why, why not defend my teammate because what the hell, our penalty kill is so damn good that I don't have to be terrified that if I take the extra penalty that we're going to blow this game because of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like situation wise, it is a two goal lead. Yeah, it's not like it's a one goal game, a tie game. Yeah uh, And I, I don't know how much of that goes through a player's head when they're reacting so quickly, but it wasn't as if that one goal was going to change the game. It wasn't going to change the lead or anything or bring them within you know whatever. So I I think it was okay. and for this team, like this is who they are. But yeah, I, exactly. Since, exactly since you brought up the power play um, now they scored tonight. And my tweet was, do you believe in miracles? Cause they rode power play goal. Charlie, this was the first, I mean, this will not shock you. Cause like you have eyes, um, <laughs> but just like the idea that we are here. This is the first game after Christmas. We are in damn near January of a season that started on time. This was the first power play goal by a defenseman. And it was Igor Samula.
1: <laughs> I first, power play solved, like, right? Igor it Samula, power play one quarterback.
0: It's very funny because all I'm seeing on Twitter leading up to this, because the power play in the first period was uh Charlie. There we'll we'll get to that. I gotta focus. All right. So all I'm seeing on Twitter is like, uh, like is Zamula really on the power play? Is this what we're doing? And I'm like, well what's the alternative someone else who's bad at it might as well give it a shot and also i'm seeing a ton of you know it's not as if zamula or Stahl are really earning the games they're playing at least consistently um maybe emil andre who's been scoring a ton especially on the power play lately could maybe be in you know call up range uh well (laughs) Zamula held him off for at least one night He gets it done, good for him They score a goal Just a matter, like they have to score some power play goals Like some are just gonna go in Because you score goals sometimes Whether the other team is four or five guys On the ice But I, in the first period And I put it in the outline They have Lefty Morgan Frost on the half wall On the left side I believe it was Tippett. It might have been Forster. I don't know. They both wear sevens. They're both right hand. I don't remember. Uh, they all, they have then righty on the right wall, completely, seemingly, purposefully eliminating any one timer opportunities. Now, this is not exactly Jake and G going cross ice. So maybe it's just like fuck it. We're not taking any one timers anyway. But you'd like the
1: option, no? Well, unless, and I honestly think where they're at at this point is they have just accepted that their power play strategy this year is going to have to be, take shots from the outside and battle for rebounds and look for deflections i really think that's where they're at because there there was a chart i believe it was, it was from uh, Corey schneider who's a, a really great uh really great follow shutdown line on twitter um he does tons of microstat tracking and there was a chart yesterday that popped up that basically was showing that the flyers have a higher percentage of point shots on the power play than any other team and some people were like oh there's another example of why rocky thompson is a terrible power play coach and like look Maybe he is that I'm certainly not ruling out that possibility, but I don't think that's, I don't think this is a case of Rocky Thompson has like a thing for point shots where he's like a whole power play has to be structured around point shots. I think it's more that they tried to run a skilled power play for the beginning of the year. The guys couldn't do it because they couldn't complete enough passes. They couldn't even get into the freaking zone. And now it's just like, all right, you know what? We're scoring at 10%. Like there are sometimes we are at single digits in terms of power play effectiveness. If we just throw a lot of pucks at the net, we're gonna score sometimes because hockey's played on ice and bounces happen. And that's more or less how they scored tonight. Like that wasn't a that wasn't a Shea Weber bomb. That wasn't a ghost bomb. That was a seeing eye wrist shot that somehow gets through. And, and I honestly think, as as crappy as this sounds, That's how they're going to have to score goals on the power play the rest of this year because they just don't have, for whatever reason, they don't have the mix of players or Rocky Thompson can't unlock the right mix of players that allows them to consistently create skilled plays, skilled passing plays on the power play. They just can't do it. So I think what we're just going to see the rest of the year is kind of a bombs away approach, which makes it. It's it's not that it makes it irrelevant to, to have the handedness be, be correct, but it makes it less important because they're not going to be trying these high-difficulty passing plays anywhere.
0: That makes sense. Um, I accept that because I think it was a couple of weeks ago at this point I said the power play strategy probably just needs to be get an open shot at the point and turn the crease into the tush-push. Like, yeah, so... Yeah. If this is what they have to do, I just saw, uh, if that's your real name, that's hilarious. Uh, John Daly in a comment just uh, that popped up said, John Tortorella coach of the year, man, if you got those uh, 50 to ones to start the season, I think you're cashing, bro. Uh, but you know, a lot, a of, lot of season, a lot of season left. I want to do the FOCO read in a second, but to go along with that, Charlie, please tell me, you saw the video I made for the for the uh, Eagles ugly sweater from Foco.
1: I don't think I did. I mean, I oh. saw you wear the ugly sweater. I <laughs> yeah, didn't no. see the video.
0: No, I because uh, people are doing, like, the appreciation, like, the shout-out videos. And uh, check it out on my Twitter, everyone out there, because it doesn't have nearly enough likes and retweets and views for the amount of effort I put into this thing. I turned it into <laughs> a whole skit where I come out of my room on Christmas and I yell, Foco Claus came, and then magically I'm wearing the sweater. It's a <laughs> whole thing. But listen, the gist of this is Foco has the absolute best officially like. Gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Maybe you need some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use Foco for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10. That's phly 10 for 10% off at FOCO today. Get those ugly sweaters, and it's really kind of ridiculous to call them ugly because they're gorgeous, but that is the branding of these, uh, of these sweaters.
1: Charlie, <laughs> I just... These so things- before before we okay. get into the next the next segment, yeah. I do want to give some updates from the uh, the post game. Uh, on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Obviously, I am not in Vancouver. I'm not on this trip. But John Tortorella did give some injury updates, and it seems like everything's positive. Uh, Apparently, uh, Tortorella said that with regards to the Ayrson dehydration, they knew that it was an issue pretty much all game. He thought he could make it through. Perhaps what happened was after that one goal he gave up, he just basically realized that, no, I'm starting to lose it. I need to come out of this game. So maybe that actually does explain – partially why Hart played so well in relief, because maybe he at least was mentally preparing himself before then for the possibility of him maybe having to play the role of of closer. Uh, maybe of, he
0: at least stretched a little,
1: you know? Yeah, like maybe he had a general idea that like this could be a possibility rather than it coming completely out of nowhere. The real good news, though, apparently Travis Koneckny is more sick than injured. Cordero oh, claims he's battling a bug uh. and that that was why he came out. What I saw when I looked at his final shift, and now I'm starting to wonder if like it was – something else um it looked like in that final shift he was he was skating like kind of in on the forecheck in the um in the offensive zone he did like a quick turn and then he sort of came up a little just a little hobbled and then it looked like he grabbed like his midsection my concern was i was afraid he was like grabbing his groin that was my big fear i'm like oh god did he pull a groin now i'm wondering if like he was about to throw up or if he was about to, you know, release something from the other end. Um, If he's sick, that could be it. And maybe that's why he had to come out of the game.
0: I simply can't like, man, I can't even imagine have to like having to like exert myself to that level being uh, anyway. Um, No, that's I saw you tweet. Like I went back and watched the shift and he grabbed his midsection. So obviously, my first thought is, oh, sports hernia—he's out. Oh, oh, of course, God. that would be your first thought. Like, well, God damn it! What, what? I haven't lived through nine of these at this point. I'm just—I <laughs> am happy that that's not what it was because I, I quote tweeted you and was like, "See, this is what y'all get." I bet you were enjoying yourselves watching this game, huh? I bet you were really watching uh, Cutter Gauthier and the World Juniors earlier too, having fun, thinking about the future, of the Flyers being bright. Oh, no, no, it's going to be a, a core muscle injury for TK. But that is not the case. He is more sick than hurt, according to the coach of the team. And that is um, real exciting, Charlie. It is it is at least not uh, not horrible, you know? Exactly. That's, exactly. And that's really all, all that we can ask for. Um, I just want to talk about the Canucks for a second because I said at the top of the show – like, you know, Cam Atkinson was sticking up for you too. The team yep. is <laughs> the the way they started this season, Thatcher Demko somewhere in like the 999 save percentage, and they're scoring uh 420 goals a game. And it was like maybe they can't keep doing this. And a lot of people took exception to that, Charlie. Um, now they came in on a nine-game point streak, but things have kind of evened out for the Canucks. They're not destroying everyone the way they were at the start of the season. They did have a chance to become the first team to 50 points, but the Flyers put a stop to that. Just uh, what did you see with Vancouver? How good is this team? Like obviously Flyers win tonight, but how good do you think they actually are?
1: Yeah, it's just – it's very funny because throughout the entirety of October, they've just had such a bizarre season because throughout the entirety of October, they were living off of their goaltending and their shooting percentage. They really weren't controlling play. They weren't winning the shots on goal battle. They weren't winning the scoring chance battle, and that was what I pointed out. And then throughout the entirety of November, the regression hit. That was when they started losing games. They, they, I think, they even lost the game to the Sharks, just like the Flyers did. And it was like, oh, okay, they're they're crashing back to earth. Then in December, they've had another enormous surge of of save percentage, of shooting percentage. Like throughout the month of December, going into this game, their PDO, which the league average is about hundred, PDO is essentially shooting percentage plus save percentage. Their PDO at five on five in December has been one hundred and seven. So like we're talking about a team that now has had two out of like one month where they've gotten like really, really fortunate one month where they've gotten a bit unlucky. And then one month where they've gotten really, really fortunate again, to me, this is just an okay team. I don't think this is a bad team. I I think this is a playoff team. They've certainly bagged enough points where they probably could cruise into the playoffs, even if they do fall apart. But I look at this team and I don't see a club that is on the same, like, like I don't watch them. And this is even going by the games I've watched of them against teams not named the Flyers. I don't watch them and see them on the same level as Vegas, as Colorado, as Dallas. Honestly, even as the LA Kings, I, I I watch the Kings and I'm like, man, that team plays well. I watch the Canucks and I'm like, you know, even when they win, they win on the strength of like eight minutes of really really good play, and that's kind of what we saw tonight. They played really, really well for like eight, 10, 8 to 10 minutes in the third period. And the Flyers had some big saves from Carter Hart, and then they turned the tide with the shorthanded goal. The way they've been winning has basically been because Thatcher Demko has been amazing. Casey Dismiss also been quite good too. So they've had a backup goalie who's saving 92% of the shots as well. But really what's going on is that they have like five players that have been incredible. Like they have Pedersen, they have Brock Besser, they have JT Miller, they have Quinn Hughes. And I guess you could make a case that, uh, that Roenick, um, the other defenseman is up there as well. Though I do wonder how much of that is, uh, is a product of being paired with Quinn Hughes because Quinn Hughes is real, real good. But to me, what you saw in them tonight is pretty much who they are. This is a team that has a really, really scary power play. Okay. That's number one. They have a bunch of really, really good players. They actually have quite a good third line. I think Connor Garland's been real good for them. But if their star players aren't dominating, they're not going to carry play. You're going to probably outshoot them. And if their star players aren't completely kicking ass, they're just a whatever team. And tonight, I kind of, aside from that like six to eight-minute burst in the third period... I kind of saw an okay team, not a team that has the best record in hockey like we were told they were going into the year. I know they do have the best record in hockey. I'm not expecting them to finish with the best record in hockey. I'm not expecting them to be particularly close. Let me put it that way.
0: All right. I just had to get your your updated thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks because of the uh, the controversy. That circ that you know circled you the first month or so of the season. I
1: continue to hold to my opinion that the Canucks are just an okay team that has been very fortunate. And by the end of the year, their their overall numbers will look more like I expect them to look. That's my expectation. And, and the, the two games against the Flyers that I've watched intently, I have not been particularly impressed. Let me put it that way. Well, they've scored one goal in two games.
0: I can't imagine you've been particularly impressed by those performances. Um, just say, uh, I'll tell you what really annoys me, and then we'll move on, because this isn't a Canuck sh- a Canuck show, I know. Um, you really have to lean into the H in Horonic for it not to just be Ronic. And it, yeah. it, it, just, it, it, it annoys the shit out of me. The way I, I told this story earlier when the, the Flyers were playing the Caps, my mom always texts me, Why does JJ keep saying the net is off when he's saying Evgeny Kuznetsov? I keep, <laughs> like, every time I hear Hronik, I have to be like, It's like that uh, Cool Whip commercial with the family guy. Cool, quick, 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 like, hronic. Hronik. <laughs> Hronik. Uh, anyway, so a little change to the lineup I noticed was uh, Owen Tippett up with Coots and TK. And Tyson Forster, I guess, demoted off of that top line. Now, Tyson Forster uh, had that little breakout stretch. He had the uh, four goals and three games end of November, beginning of December. Since then, uh, no goals, three assists, and the eight games coming into this one. Is this just like the um, the eventuality of man? We like the way you're playing. But if you don't score, we can't have you on the top line.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think this was this was more or less a change that I, I believe happened against Detroit. So this is the second game that, that Tippett's been up. So this isn't a brand new thing. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a little bit of, you know, hey, dude, we like the way you're playing. We're not going to bench you. We're certainly not going to send you down. But if you're going to be on the top line with Sean Kuturi and Travis Konechny, you got to score a little bit. And look, I've been very happy with what I've seen for Tyson Forrester. His underlying numbers are stellar. He's been legitimately one of the best play driving forwards, not just on the flyers, but in league. He's been great. And I think that that bodes extremely well for the player that he will ultimately become, because I do believe that a guy with, with his offensive instincts, with the quality of his, sh- of his shot, he's not going to Be struggling to score forever. I think that is going to come around. I was curious if his two-way five-on-five play was ever going to come around. And as it turns out, that's come around much quicker at the NHL level than the scoring has. So I am very, very excited about what kind of player Tyson Forrester can be over the long term. In the short term, however, look, we've talked about it. The Flyers are trying to make a playoff push. They are. And you can't afford to have a guy on your top line in perpetuity If he's not scoring goals and Tyson Forrester clearly is still trying to learn the finer points of lighting the lamp at the NHL level. Owen Tippett has already gone through that part of his career. Like he already went through the the part of his career where he was on Florida and he couldn't score. He didn't know how to finish at the NHL level. Now. Owen Tibbett knows how to finish at the NHL level. Maybe we wish he could finish a little bit better, but he certainly knows how to finish better than Tyson Forrester does right now. So put him up there with Katuri and Konechny and let a guy who probably has a better handle on putting the puck in the net at this level be on the ice with the two guys that are always in the offensive zone.
0: Speaking of putting the puck in the net at the NHL level, Charlie, Joel Farabee's goal was fucking gorgeous tonight. He played, um, a wacky game. Like <laughs> he he was noticeable. I'll I'll give you that. Like one way or another, he was noticeable. Uh the first period penalty was just like, all right, what are you doing? The second period penalty. I I my initial reaction was like his, where he just waved off the ref. He's like, Well, come on. But really, when it happened, I was like, Oh, that was. That was pretty blatant interference. I wonder if oh yep, JJ says his arms up. They called it. And it was yep. like, it was almost like a play like I dare you to call me for interference on this. And they did and it was just I it was really stupid and unnecessary, I thought. But it kind of looked to me like um Hey, look how hard I'm trying sort of play. I'm back checking. I even bumped a guy. Like, look, I I took a guy out. I made contact coming back through the neutral zone. I recovered. Like, is it maybe a little bit of that, like, trying too hard thing there that he did? Like, just a brain cramp? Like, what the fuck happened?
1: I do think it was probably a little bit of the trying too hard. I, my first thought when I watched that play was um, the part in, uh, I honestly can't even remember if it was in the first or the second major league, but when, uh, when Bob Eucher is like, well, I guess, Oh, it's in the second one. Cause he's like, well, I guess Taylor's thinking, I don't know what he's thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was just, but that was my thought. Like they, they kill the penalty uh, and he scores a huge goal, the breakaway to really cap off what was that incredible second period. All we heard, oh, the Canucks, the second period team. They're plus twenty six in the second period. They have like fifty some goals. Well, the Flyers beat them three nothing in the in the uh, in that period, and that goal was uh, was absolutely gorgeous. He continues to score at a very high rate at five on five, and I continue to see Cam Atkinson on the power play, Charlie.
1: Is that a question? It's not a question.
0: It's an (laughs) observation. I just – I I don't know what the fuck to say at this point. Cam Atkinson, listen, he made some plays tonight. He saved a goal. Um, He also had a real bad turnover. He did some bad – he saved a goal with a blocked shot and like an open net. Stuck up for a teammate. That's great. Um, This is no longer a slump. The man can't score. We're at like 20 games now. Uh, Maybe it's like 17 or 18 or uh, – let's call it 20. You know, um, this this can't go on with him on the power play.
1: Well, for what it's worth, and this is interesting if you're looking at the time on ice numbers, Cam Atkinson was down in eighth in time on ice overall time on ice in this game. Joel Farraby was second, so that does speak to the fact that you know we we you asked the question of what what was Joel Faraby thinking on that play? He took two bad penalties which not only means that he was off the ice for four minutes, but also means he took two bad penalties in front of a coach who has gotten frustrated, Joel Faraby, for dumb dumb moves in the past. And that coach said, you know what? I don't mind those penalties because the effort is there and because he's moving. He's moving tonight. So I, I think that's probably where this comes from. If you're talking about Atkinson, though, yeah, the slump is a major problem, but clearly it's not killing the Flyers. They have enough other pieces that are scoring that they're able to deal with it, and I think they're just hoping against hope that if they just keep throwing him out there that eventually he's going to break through and they're going to and he's going to get going. And I still believe it will happen at some point. I'm not going to deny that every game it doesn't happen, you don't get a little bit more frustrated and the more you start to wonder Is it actually done? I don't think it is, but I understand why people are getting more and more frustrated. The the, the longer this lasts, I get it.
0: I'll tell you what I'm not frustrated by what I'm seeing out of Morgan Frost right now. Uh, This kid, listen, for someone who was described to me uh, by my co-host a couple of weeks ago as allergic to contact the kid Might be starting to get it. Uh, He had a big hit down below the uh, down below the goal line tonight. You got the great Uh, check of the game. Great check of the guy. I mean, what else do you need? (laughs) Dog mask that kid up. Uh, I'm I'm starting to think that there's a possibility. We we're not in the like inevitable final stages of seeing Morgan Frost. I'm starting to believe there's a possibility that said Noah Cates is skating on his own and I'm going to give you two guesses as to who they bring out first. If Noah Cates (laughs) is going to come right back into this lineup, Uh, but uh, Morgan, like do you think that won't be the case right now? Like Morgan Frost, he's not scoring at the rate we saw, you know, in the final 55 games that we all know he's not doing that. And he hasn't in the absence of Noah Cates uh, when the coach hasn't been able to just take him out of the lineup. It was like, okay, here's your opportunity. But we are starting to see him do some of the little shit that we were told is the reason the coach doesn't believe in him, even though he put up all those points. I don't remember what I, the question I, was gonna be.
1: Uh do yeah, you think, I,
0: like, do you think I, maybe that this is not over the way I thought it was?
1: Well, so the thing is is that and when we've talked to John Turtorello this year. He has praised Morgan Frost on multiple occasions, and I have no reason to believe that he wasn't sincere with this praise. He's praised Morgan Frost on multiple occasions this season about the fact that Morgan Frost's details are substantially better than they were when he first took the job, that he has been really, really impressed about the fact that Morgan Frost, when he started coaching him, that he did not think Morgan Frost was a detail-oriented player. He thought he was an offense-only guy. He didn't think he had much commitment to defense. And Tortorella has praised Morgan Frost for improving that side of his game. And I think you're seeing it. I I think you're seeing Morgan Frost be better at that. What now John Tortorella says is like, look, that's great. It's great that the details are better, but also you got to (laughs) score. Now, if you look at his five-on-five numbers in terms of scoring, they're pretty good. They're not bad. Like, they're legitimately solid. This has always been my big concern about Morgan Frost, is that... This episode is
0: supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver,
1: Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th. Only on Hulu.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's
1: shopify.com slash special offer. If he's not able to do anything on the power play, I don't know if he can be a part of this long term. That said, his underlying numbers are better this year. So if he could turn himself into a guy who legitimately has a positive impact on expected goal differential, on shot attempt differential, things like that, then maybe I'm a little bit more open to the possibility of him only being a five on five scorer. That said, I would really, really want to see him do something, anything as a power play weapon. Like, if you're going to be an offense guy, and I think that is his role on this team, if he has a long term role on this team it is going to be as a point producing offensive weapon, you need to do stuff on the power play. And that's like, that's what's dragging down his point totals. His five on five rate stats are good. It's just he doesn't score on the power play. And I understand that no one scores on the power play. But the thing is, is that a lot of the other guys who don't score on the power play, they have other roles. Morgan Frost's role as they envision it is to be a scorer and he's not scoring enough period. I don't know. I just, maybe it's as simple as getting him on a power play with like a cutter Gautier and then boom, the points are just going to start piling up because he has somebody to pass to. Maybe it's that simple. The question is, does he, does he stick around long enough to get to that point? I don't know. We'll see.
0: no. And that's the, like, even if he's a decent enough third line center, He's never going to be more than just that. Like, okay, yeah, he's fine. Like, he's never going to be more than just that unless he can start piling up points on the power play. And that's, like, that needs to be his thing. I don't want to be, oh, Morgan Frost is the reason the power play is bad. I don't want to say that. He's definitely not. He needs to be the reason it's better than it is. And he has not been that at all if he's going to be a three, like he's never going to be, yes. Okay. He's fixed some of the details of his game. He's never going to be a fucking Selkie candidate, you know? Like, if he's going to be the three C who you deal with some of the other shortcomings, but damn, can he set up dudes on the power play? All right. If not, like, what's the point then? I would like to see him get uh, continue to get some opportunity but I do need to see him scoring. Like, I, I just – I need to see him contributing to more goals. And, yes, the power play is the place where everyone pads their stats. That's why power play ice time is so coveted. You get paid on that shit. But it is, for John Tortorella, all about the details. And when it comes to your finances, you need to be detail-oriented. You know, I, I've told this story before. It was a couple of weeks ago. Just sitting there going through some of uh, – you know, going through the old bank account, seeing some of the charges – like why do we have why do we have two subscriptions to Apple TV? Turns out my wife and I both have a subscription to Apple TV. We watch TV together. We don't need two subscriptions to Apple TV. We have all these streaming services. You you, you double up, you have ones you don't even remember you signed up for. You got to get that stuff under control. I know it just seems like a couple of bucks, but it adds up and it adds up over time. And that's where Rocket Money comes in. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with just one tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service, which is a dream come true for me personally. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over five million users and has helped save its members an average of seven hundred and twenty dollars a year, with over five hundred million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to RocketMoney.com/phly. That's RocketMoney.com/phly. That's RocketMoney.com/slash. P H L Y. Love, love that, the dramatic ending. That's tough to do because I want to look at you, but my camera's up here, so it's a whole, you know, it's a whole <laughs> thing for me, Charlie. Um, I want to talk about Scott Lawton, a guy who I've been critical of the last uh, last few weeks as he struggled. He's seen himself demoted to the fourth line. Uh, like what I'm seeing out of him again, he had a couple of points against Detroit. Obviously he always kills Detroit, uh, but his first period, especially tonight, uh, had the wraparound chance that just Desmith made a great save on it. And then the, uh, takeaway breakaway chance where he just absolutely trucked Desmith. Smith, which if you can't score. Try to take out the goalie. I love the, uh, I love it there. It's some that's some high school hockey. That's me as a captain telling people to do shit um, for Clearview. Uh, but Scott Lawton, I think, <laughs> has been a lot better. You said, you know, they like paling, they want to see what he has in a top nine role, but you expect Scott Lawton to get back up there eventually when his game comes back around. Looks like his game's coming back around, huh?
1: Yeah. I'd like to see him do it for a few more games. Yeah. And you know, as much as I do believe that Scott Lawton will eventually make his way back in the top nine, it's worth noting that Ryan Paling was actually third in ice tie among forwards in this game. So clearly, they liked what they saw from Ryan Paling too. Obviously, he had the really nice play on the uh, on the guarded Hathaway uh, short-handed goal, where he really uses speed to help create that play. So he had a he had a solid game too. But look, I, I'm of the opinion that Scott Lawton has a higher ceiling than uh, than Ryan Paling, just because Scott Lawton's been. Producing points at a solid rate for quite a few years, he's proven it that he can do this. Whereas Ryan Paling is like Ryan Paling is this year is trying to prove that he can be Scott Lund. That is his job this year. His job is to prove that he can be the guy who can play on the second line or the third line, if need be, and can chip in with, you know, 30, 35 points a year in a depth role. That's what he's trying to prove. Scott Lawton is already that guy. Granted, he went through, you know, a stretch over this past month where he hasn't been that guy, but he's been that guy for quite a while. So I'm expecting Lawton to get back to it. I think what you're seeing over these last couple games is that he's starting to get back to it. He's starting to feel good about himself. But I'd like to, you know, maybe give him the rest of this road trip. Just to just to show that this wasn't... Because I, I, I hate to... I'm very skeptical of lumping together last Friday's game with tonight's game because there's just such a large gap between the two. I don't Fair. know how much you can really say that the two games are linked. To me, this is like the start of the second half of the season, essentially. And that was the last yeah. game of the first half. So I'd like to see him have a strong road trip. If he has a strong road trip when they get back into uh into Philly midway through next week, yeah, put him back on the top nine. But for now, I think he's he's showing some chemistry with uh you know with um with Hathaway and Deloria on that fourth line. It's been a more effective fourth line for the most part, especially in that game against Detroit. Let's see what they can do for a while and if they keep it up, great. And uh, and then maybe you know in two three four more games Scott Lawton's back out uh back out of fourth line limbo.
0: As uh, as the show starts to wind down here, Charlie, I cannot let us leave before we get to Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. So give it to me, give me star number three.
1: Okay, I, I'm going to go a little bit. Um... Maybe a little bit unexpected with these stars because I thought this was a real team effort. But third star of the game, I'm going to go with Carter Hart. I I think, you know, he came in and given the degree of difficulty, the position he was thrown into, I think he was flat out fantastic in the 17 minutes that he got in this game. You know, that could have been the point where we're talking about a, you know, a, a five to three loss because Carter Hart just, You know, he just didn't have it. And I wouldn't even have blamed him. It's like, you know what? You you threw him to the wolves cold against the team with the most goals in hockey that just was starting to feel good about themselves in this game. I would have understood why he gave up a ton. Instead, he looked like he was just starting out the first period and completely shut the door. So even though he didn't play half the game, even though Sam Harrison got more of the game and Sam Harrison had another, had a good game, not 18 saves on 19 shots. I'm giving Carter Hart the third star because of the difficulty of the position he was put into.
0: And I will add to that. I know you just said you don't want to link together the Detroit game with this one because it's been five days off, but the way the first half of the season ended with Carter Hart, you know, the five goals in the first and then the horrible goal, uh, the sixth goal, like it's just a nice bounce back performance in a really difficult spot. So I I, I like that one. I like that quite a bit. So let's now go to star number two.
1: Okay, Um, I am having some technical issues here.
0: Have we? So I am having trouble
1: hearing you. Okay. Um, Bill, you probably can hear me. So I'm just going to continue with my three stars. So my second star is uh, is Joel Farabee. I I can't give him the number one star because he had those two bad penalties he was kind of a mess this whole game however he did finish with two points um so so racked up more points than anybody else in the flyers had that really really big goal to close out the uh the three goal burst in the second period um picks up a another assist on the uh, on the zamula goal and i think he was just kind of everywhere I, i really do think that uh that he um, was active the entire game. I think that was the reason why he got so much ice time, second most among fours. I think John Tortorella recognized it. And even though it wasn't a perfect game from Joel Paraby, I thought he was extremely impactful all the way through. And because of that, I give him star number two.
0: And now we will go to star number one.
1: Okay. And now I'll go into star number one, star number one. I'm going to go a little bit off of uh, off the beaten path here. And I'm going to say, I give star number one, the guy who scored a power play goal on the road. I'm going with big Z Igor Zamola. He gets the number one star because you know what? If anybody can score for the flyers in the power play, I am going to be positively predisposed to them. So Big Z, you are the first star for doing the impossible and scoring a power play goal for the Philadelphia Flyers.
0: I love how we're just leaning into like, this is an absolute miracle. Uh, But Charlie, I don't know if Charlie can hear me or not. Uh, So we're basically going to wrap up there. But before we do, I have to tell you about One of my favorite new partners here at PHLY. It is our friends at Bagels and Company. If you remember the Reading Terminal shows, they were our presenting sponsor. I ate a bagel just in the middle of the show, took a big old bite of it, untoasted, uncreamed cheesed, and it was delicious. But they have the best Brooklyn style bagels made with Philly love right here in our city. Huge bagels, the biggest bagels in Philly, uh, very large, hence the Brooklyn slash New Jersey style, large variety, usually about 15 to 20 types of bagels to choose from in the store and seasonal bagels as well. I had a Christmas flavored bagel at the Reading Terminal show. They have all that stuff and the largest selection of cream cheese, over 30 different flavors of cream cheese and sugar. I think saying the word schmear is odd, but it's in the copy, so I will say it. I guess it's all technically not cream cheese. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But just go to Bagels & Company, and you'll figure it out. The selection is incredible, and they are an affordable brand, a lot of food for cheap, and who isn't looking forward to that? Uh, So for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly, head to thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find and to find the closest bagels and company near you, the bagels and co.com slash store dash locator bagels and company. Just Google, you know, do that. You'll, you'll find it. It's a Philly bagel company. They're absolutely delicious. You can hear me again, Charlie. I can. All right. Before we get out of here, um, I just have to ask, because this is probably the biggest concern in my life right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, no goals, four assists for Cutter Gautier. What the hell's the matter
1: with him? I thought you were gonna say, you know, your 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 wife who was in the car accident, which is your biggest concern of your life, but Cutter right. Gautier, much bigger concern. Yeah, she's fine. She's fine.
0: No, um, I will I would like to because I know you put it out and I like she uh, put it on Instagram because she had to cancel a quiz. thank you to everyone for the well wishes and everything. Scary situation. All is well. Uh, we're very appreciative that everyone you know, actually gives a shit. Uh, so thank you. And thank you, Charlie, for taking care of the show the other day because I left the studio. All my shit's there. I'm on her laptop right now. Like <laughs> I have nothing because all my stuff is still at the studio because I left in a panic going to find her on 76. But all is well.
1: Great. Um, but yeah, speaking of Cutter Gauthier, uh, he's he's now a playmaker. Apparently he's not a goal scorer. No goal, no goals in the first two games of the World Juniors. Cutter, what are you doing, bud?
0: Uh, they won like a hundred to four today. Like what? <laughs> he couldn't score one. I it's I just I figured out the uh, the NHL network situation. I told you the other day my TV went. Well, I got a new one, and it came with a free trial of Fubo TV. Ooh, NHL Network is on Fubo, so it all worked out for me. All right, so enjoy the World Juniors. We'll be back tomorrow with another post game following the, uh, the Flyers and Kraken game. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Follow us right here on YouTube. Uh, make sure you never miss a live show. Set those reminders on Twitter at PHLY underscore Flyers. Search PHLY Flyers wherever the, there are podcasts. That'll do it for me. I'm Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Go Flyers. We all